Chapter Five of Philosophy Four, A Story of Harvard University by Owen Wister. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. One hour later they met. Shaving and a cold bath and summer flannels, not only clean but beautiful, invested them with the radiant innocence of flowers. It was still too early for their regular breakfast, and they sat down to eggs and coffee at the holly tree. "'I waked John up,' said Billy. "'He is satisfied.' "'Let's have another order,' said Bertie. "'These eggs are delicious.' Each of them accordingly ate four eggs and drank two cups of coffee. "'Oscar called five times,' said Billy and he threw down those cards which Oscar had so neatly written. "'There's multiplicity of ego for you,' said Bertie. Now, inspiration is a strange thing, and less obedient even than love to the will of man. It will decline to come when you prepare for it with the loftiest intentions, and, lo, at an accidental word, it will suddenly fill you, as at this moment it filled Billy.' "'By gum,' said he, laying his fork down, "'multiplicity of the ego. "'Look here. "'I fall out of a buggy and ask—' "'By gum,' said Bertie, "'now also visited by inspiration. "'Don't you see?' said Billy. "'I see a whole lot more,' said Bertie with excitement. "'I had to tell you about your singing.' "'And the two burst into a flare of talk. To hear such words as cognition, attention, retention, entity, and identity freely mingled with such other words as silver fizz and false hair, brought John, the egg and coffee man, as near surprise as his impregnable nature permitted. Thus they finished their large breakfast and hastened to their notes for a last good bout at memorizing Epimarchus of Kos and his various brethren. The appointed hour found them crossing the college yard toward a door inside which Philosophy Four awaited them. Three hours of written examination. But they looked more roseate and healthy than most of the anxious band whose steps were converging to that same gate of judgment. Oscar, meeting them on the way, gave them his deferential good morning, and trusted that the gentleman felt easy. Quite so, they told him, and bade him feel easy about his pay, for which they were, of course, responsible. Oscar wished them good luck, and watched them go to their desks with his little eyes, smiling in his particular manner. Then he dismissed them from his mind, and sat with a faint remnant of his smile, fluently writing his perfectly accurate answer to the first question upon the examination paper. Here is that paper. You will not be able to answer all the questions, probably, but you may be glad to know what such things are like. Philosophy 4. Number 1. Thales, Zeno, Parmenides, Heraclitus, Anaxagoras. State briefly the doctrine of each. Number 2. Phenomenon, Noumenon. Discuss these terms. Name their modern descendants. Number 3. Thought equals being. Assuming this, 
state the difference, if any, between one, memory and anticipation, and two, sleep and waking. Number four. Democritus, Pythagoras, Bacon. State the relation between them. In what terms must the objective world ultimately be stated? Why? Number five. Experience is the result of time and space being included in the nature of mind. Discuss this. Number six. Nihil est in intellectual quod non prius fioret insensibus. Whose doctrine? Discuss it. Number seven. What is the inherent limitation in all ancient philosophy? Who first removed it? Number eight. Mind is expressed through what? Matter through what? Is speech the result or the cause of thought? Number nine. Discuss the nature of the ego. Number ten. According to Plato, Locke, Berkeley, where would the sweetness of a honeycomb reside? Where would its shape, its weight? Where do you think these properties reside? Ten questions and no epicarmus of cos. But no examination paper asks everything, and this one did ask a good deal. Bertie and Billy wrote the full time allotted, and found that they could have filled an hour more without coming to the end of their thoughts. Comparing notes at lunch, their information was discovered to have been lacking here and there. Nevertheless, it was no failure. Their inner convictions were sure of fifty per cent at least, and this was all they asked of the gods. I was ripping about the ego, said Bertie. I was rather splendid myself, said Billy, when I got going, and I gave him a huge steer about memory. After lunch, both retired to their beds and fell into sweet oblivion until seven o'clock, when they rose and dined, and after playing a little poker, went to bed again pretty early. Some six mornings later, when the professor returned their papers to them, their minds were washed almost as clear of Plato and Thales as were their bodies of yesterday's dust. The dates and doctrines, hastily memorized to rattle off upon the great occasion, lay only upon the surface of their minds, and after use they quickly evaporated. To their pleasure and most genuine astonishment, the professor paid them high compliments. Bertie's discussion of the double personality had been the most intelligent which had come in from any of the class. The illustration of the intoxicated hack-driver who had fallen from his hack and inquired who it was that had fallen, and then had pitied himself, was, said the professor, as original and perfect an illustration of our subjective objectivity as he had met with in all his researches. And Billy's suggestions concerning the inherency of time and space in the mind the professor had also found very striking and independent, particularly his reasoning based upon the well-known distortions of time and space which hashish and other drugs produce in us. 
This was the sort of thing which the professor had wanted from his students free comment and discussions, the spirit of the course, rather than any strict adherence to the letter. He had constructed his questions to elicit as much individual discussion as possible, and had been somewhat disappointed in his hopes. Yes, Bertie and Billy were astonished, but their astonishment did not equal that of Oscar, who had answered many of the questions in the professor's own language. Oscar received seventy-five per cent for this achievement, a good mark. But Billy's mark was eighty-six, and Bertie's ninety. There is some mistake, said Oscar to them, when they told him, and he hastened to the professor with his tale. There is no mistake, said the professor. Oscar smiled with increased deference. But, he urged, I assure you, sir, those young men knew absolutely nothing. I was their tutor, and they knew nothing at all. I taught them all their information myself. In that case, replied the professor, not pleased with Oscar's tale-bearing, you must have given them more than you could spare. Good morning. Oscar never understood, but he graduated considerably higher than Bertie and Billy, who were not able to discover many other courses so favorable to original research as was Philosophy four. That is twenty years ago. Today Bertie is treasurer of the New Amsterdam Trust Company in Wall Street. Billy is superintendent of passenger traffic of the New York and Chicago airline. Oscar is successful, too. He has acquired a lot of information. His smile is unchanged. He has published a careful work entitled The Minor Poets of Cinquecento, and he writes book reviews for the Evening Post. End of chapter 5 End of Philosophy 4, A Story of Harvard University by Owen Wister